All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. I want to make sure before we begin, I, I am Fontaine, if you're here for the first time, and I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, today we're trying something we've never done before. It's been uh, suggested, and so I am grateful that we can try this today with, on a very important topic, and we're still continuing with uh, New Year and Same God, but February is a month of relationship. There's Valentine's Day. Let this be your reminder. If you're like me, I'm prone to forget. But Valentine's Day this month is a time we talk about relationship stuff, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. I do need to make sure, though, that you have one of these. I need every person that's not in kids' church to have one of these in their hand. And so just like with communion, if you would just raise your hand and let our usher folks get one of these cards in your hand. Any, anyone at all that does not have one of these? Everybody's got one? I see a couple over here. If you see, a, uh, usher guys, if you see a hand raised, if you would make sure they have a, a card in their hand. Okay, just keep your hand up and we'll make sure you get one. All right, uh, today... We're going to begin telling a story, and I want JB and Shelly, why don't you come up here and join me today, and we're going to do this in a format for them to be able to tell you a story, and it's a story that is painful to share, and yet I think it ties in well with where we have been sharing in recent weeks, and so I started back in December, I, I talked to you guys about a, a message topic, topic about being unoffendable in 2023 unoffendable because being offended takes us out takes us out it's taking me out it's it, it could take you out and so I, I talked to you about being unoffendable we started the new year and I talked to you about prayer being a person that the Holy Spirit could provoke and lead and you could be bold being that next step not just the person that says hey I'm gonna pray for you but know the person that says, I'm going to pray for you right now. And then I talked to you about a, a guy, you, uh, some folks had not really noticed in the Old Testament, but uh, Mephibosheth, that he was dropped when he was five years old and that some, um, it was no fault of his own. His father and grandfather both killed in battle. The care person for him drops him. He becomes lame in both feet and off in a desert, a Lodabar place um, and gets invited by the king to the table. I shared that with you because I know that things happen and things have happened in all of our lives that were no fault of our own perhaps. You were dropped. I was dropped in, when I was five. And many of you were dropped and maybe it wasn't at age five but you were dropped. Something happened to you and you were exposed to something maybe. And it could be that even to this very day that you carry with you into this room today a sense of shame. And it was of no fault of your own. What we're going to do today is shine light into dark places. Shame will be exposed today. And I'm going to pray for you in just a moment because I, my expectation today is that if there's something holding you back, 
If you feel less than and you feel unqualified and this story strikes a chord with you because there's an element of shame in your own life, I'm praying that that chain is broken today in your life and that you will leave here in freedom today to help you do that. Thank you. And to help you do that, I've given you this card because it's got a QR code. Because if this message does not strike home with you, it will strike home with someone you know. Someone you know closely. And so that's why I have everyone have a card. Because there will be no shame today. You have the ability to respond. You will have contact information. You have the ability to get counseling. You have the ability to talk to either one of these individuals. You have the ability to take a next step, and no one has to know about that. This will be a safe place. Amy shared something recently, I think, and I forget where it came from. Ann Voskamp, talking about uh, shame dies. Help me with that. Shame dies in safe places. When it's shared in safe places. And this has to be a safe place. Because a lot of places won't talk about what we're going to talk about today. You see, we're not just trying to transfer information to you here. A lot of you have had information transferred to you for decades. What I want today is for shame to be exposed. And for you to walk in freedom in your life. And as you lead your family. And as you lead your singleness. And as you one day have a family. But today is your freedom day. Please have this card in your hand. Let's pray for a moment. And we're going to begin and let these two share a story with you today. Heavenly Father. The Father who loves us. The Father that is so near. Desiring that we would turn to you. And knowing that you will turn to us. And Lord, today in this place, I, I, I just pray it's different today. God, may you first of all just remove the religious barriers that so mess up the church. All churches. Big C, your church, your kingdom. There's so much rut in religious activity. And I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you remove blinders and routine from our from our lives today and from our mind and our thinking. And God, I pray that you seek and find and you locate the deep places of our heart today. That you shine light in the dark places of our lives. That shame is exposed today. And whatever caused that, that you begin a process this day of breaking shame and the lives of every person within the sound of my voice. And, and this is as it's carried out in the, into the digital world. Lord, that you will use this message and this topic. And the anointing, Lord, that is here today. To break that in Jesus' name. We need freedom. Individuals need to be free. Free to lead their life so that they lead their marriage and their home. And their singleness at this moment in a way that is healthy and God-honoring. Today we take back what the enemy has stolen. In the name of Jesus, there is no other name. The name of Jesus. There is freedom 
You have not changed. You're the same God. A miracle working God that we just sang about. But God, in this room today, may it be tangible. May heaven come to earth in this room today. Holy Spirit, I invite you to do your work. Oh, may you find ears and hearts that are open. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 JB and Shelly, I've gotten to know them, and many of you know them as well. And, and it's, it's been a privilege to get to hear your story and get to know you and, and know the struggles and also know the victory. And, and today, we're not going to be able to tell the whole story. It's going to take more time. But we're going to get it started today. And under the umbrella of the prayer, I just prayed for you, for you, for all of us. Won't you guys help us start with where you think it's appropriate to tell a story of where you come from. And about even, we've talked about being dropped. I mean, uh, that'll come into play somewhere here today. But there's, when two people come together, and uh, it's not always not always easy once things are unwrapped. Okay, so before we begin, uh, I am going to read some because I could go off on rabbit trails, but I want to first make an announcement that JB, two weeks ago, and I just celebrated our 30th um, wedding anniversary. The Lord. And... As you hear a portion of our stories today, you will realize just what, truly what a miracle that is. And um, we want to tell you up front that parts of the story are very difficult to tell, and they might be difficult to hear. Um, but, but please stick with us. And if any of the topics that we discuss trigger you in any way, um, please talk to somebody. Talk to us, Pastor Fontaine. And I would encourage people, if somebody comes to you and needs to talk, don't judge or point fingers. Listen um, if you need to send them to somebody else, but, but let's show each other grace. So when we met in 1990 and then married in 93, we were two of the most unhealthy people you could imagine, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And as we've come to learn over the last five years, we both come from generations of unaddressed, um, unconfessed, unresolved wounds and, and iniquities. And these issues have been passed down from one generation to the next because our predecessors tried to deal with them in secret. Um, they just didn't talk about such things. And so when we met, we had amazing chemistry. Um, and when we got married two and a half years later, all of that chemistry plus all the destructive baggage that we carried into our marriage resulted in in a combustion of epic proportions and not the good kind. While we had some decent seasons in our marriage, I would argue that at least 75% of the time was not good at all. Um, hello. I'm going to start this a little bit different. My name is actually Brian Christensen. Most people, uh, Eric has figured that out, but, but through this story, there was transformation, and, and, it, and it involved the name JB. And I, I want to make that really clear because th there's so many things that happened to me 
um, in, in, this, in this story, and I was in the right place at the right time, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, and I was, I was at the end of myself. Um, and what Shelly didn't tell you, uh, when we first, we, we had a son, and that's what uh, forced me to, to stop being who I was. Um, we got married, and I knew I was a mess. And to some degree, um, I, I just knew things inside of me were horrible. Um, I had just a, so many things are easy to look back at right now and see what they were, but when you're in it and going through it, I didn't know anything. I, I'm a basketball player. Um, I don't know if anybody can tell. Um, but I, I played college ball. I made a good career there. I actually played for off and on all over the world, really, until I was about 31. Uh, right after we met, I played one more year, and I think that's when I quit. But So I, for the most part, I had a really good life. But I, I was so messed up with so many things inside and I want to speak to the married couples. I want to speak to the men. I want to speak to the young kids. Um, and I want to eliminate. I, I've told Pastor Fontaine, I want to shatter shame. Um, because if I'd have known 40 years ago what I know now, so much would have been better. But the journey is important. So um, we're going to go ahead and continue to tell you the story. Um, and I, we, we had our highs and our hoes in, in our marriage. Uh, from my perspective, uh, was about self-destruction. And, and I didn't really care that I drug everyone around me down. Um, I was just in such a horrible place. I treated her, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that, it was bad. I, I just, I had no respect for, for the opposite sex. Um, and I just carried that into our, our relationship, so. So my perspective on our marriage was there was just this terrible destructive cycle that we, we could not see that neither one of us could just step out of to make it different. Um, it usually started out with me having a feeling or, or a, an intuition about his unfaithfulness. Then I would um, confront him about it. He would very convincingly talk himself out of it. We'd have a huge fight. I feel like I'm echoing, am I? I feel like I'm echoing. No, you're okay. okay. Um, and, and I always ended up thinking I must be crazy um, because these feelings were just so strong and so real. Um, I just thought I was crazy. We wouldn't talk for a couple of days. We would make up and it would start all over, over and over and over for years. He was a great um, information manager. Yeah, I guess so. I, I was one of those guys that could talk myself. And, I, and I, again, looking back, I learned this when I was little. I, I was able to talk, find people's buttons. And I could shame her um, into believing that she was completely wrong. And that, that uh, and I was always really defensive because of the shame that I wore too. But we, we just had this horrible cycle. You know, I, we, we don't, this is not written down, but one of the things that always bothered me about this is why we lasted 25 years. Um, up to this, to where this all started, but I, you know, people are going to look at her and think that she's out of her mind because she stayed, and I, we, we both have had to try to address that, but it's, it's not far from the, from the truth about being insane, but, um, but thank you, thankfully she stayed, so. So about 18 years, um, into our marriage, and me 
praying and praying that God would heal us, that he would heal our marriage and heal our family. Um, he started with me. And I was introduced to a program at our church called Celebrate Recovery. It's a little bit like Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's a 12-week, 12 12-step 12 process, um, being freed from issues that, that usually stem from something in our past. And um, I, I didn't write this down, but I feel like I need to, to address this. Um, I had so many issues. But the, the three things that God really worked and brought healing into my life at this time where I was a control freak. Um, I was very codependent, which is probably why I stayed with him for so long. Um, but I also had my own issue with porn. Um, I think women feel an especially strong sense of shame about it because it's almost normal for men to have the issue. Um, I think you would be surprised. Um, how common it is among women, among Christian women even. Um, so he used, I went through the, again, it's a 12-step process. It's supposed to take about 15 weeks. It took me six months. But um, I went through the program. God brought so much healing. And while it really didn't change much in our marriage, it changed me. And um, again, I had a lot of issues to deal with, but that was a start. That was the beginning for, for me. <laughs> so when she got done with the class, even when she was in the class, I started noticing things that, that where I would try to dig or try to stab or, or, or get under her skin. It just, it just didn't work the same anymore. Um, and there was a forgiveness in her heart, and there was just an attitude change that made it really hard for me to be in conflict with her, um, which is, I, I'm embarrassed to say that it was real easy for me to, to, to shame to uh, treat cruelly, um, and we'll explain this a little bit later, but um, it, it, was, it was different from that point on. She, she wasn't counting on me for things that I thought that she needed to count on me for, and it, it kind of took a lot of my fire um, away from me. So I'd like to get into the, the whys. Okay. So after Celebrate Recovery... Um, I was definitely able to see our relationship more clearly, how unhealthy it really was. And while I could work on me, I couldn't change JB, and I couldn't make him want to change. And I tried. <laughs> um, and I was able to stick with our marriage for a little while longer after that. But at about year 21, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. It was, it was really, really, really bad. I think he was in a really bad place. And I couldn't do it anymore. And I made plans. Well, two of our three children had graduated, were out of the house. Only our daughter was still living at home. And um, I wanted to get out of the marriage with as little damage to her as possible. So I made an appointment with a counselor to come up with a plan to get him out of the house and to start the process for divorce. And I kid you not, literally in the hour that I was about to have this appointment um, and put my plan into action. Our daughter, Brianna, who many of you've met, was in a horrible car accident. Her friend that was driving was killed instantly, and Brianna was left fighting for her life with a traumatic brain injury. And suddenly, we weren't looking at 
our mess. We were focused on her survival, first of all, and then her recovery and her rehabilitation. And that had a huge, huge impact on our marriage. We, we had a common goal. And, and I think that kept us together for a little bit longer. Um, but things were, were different. They were much better. We had a little more, um, what did I type down what we had? Yeah. We had a little more understanding for each other. We communicated a little better. And um, I would even go so far as to say that things were good more often than not. At least I thought so. Um, the hard part about this story, and, and I've had people, not necessarily in counseling or anything, but at the time this happened, um, I'll never forget that, but... Uh, and, and, Please, I, I learned to say this with respect, and I still believe that this is a cause. But at the time, the only person that could have possibly affected me in any other way was my daughter. I, my, my boys were boys. My, my job was my job. And everything was what it was, and I could really care less about us. Um, and when the accident happened, and I remember calling. I called her twice. And we both met at the hospital, and I thought it was, I, I, for the longest time, and I still carry a lot of this, um, it, it was my fault, because the only thing that could have got my attention was to see my, my daughter with her head shaved and a plate removed, because she had a severe brain injury. I, most of you have seen her, or a lot of you have seen her. Mm -hmm. The brace that she has and all the other stuff is from a brain injury. She's physically, she's perfect. A great athlete at the time, too. So this, this kind of shut me down. I, I just, you know, I figured if God's going to get my attention, I, I, it, it still breaks my heart that I feel like it was my fault that we were at that point, that I was such, I was so messed up that God had to get my attention through somebody else like Rihanna. Um, and so it was, it was a turning point. We started working together. I tried hard to be kind. Um, I, of course, I was guilty. I figured, what next? Because there for a long time, she was on death, death row. So I was afraid he was going to take her, which would have been devastating to me, so, or to both of us, actually. But anyway. So um, fast forward about four years after the accident, or t right before our 25th anniversary. It was New Year's Eve. It was a Sunday. Yeah, so, so you guys got to have a sense of humor with God. God is funny to me. Uh, it's funny looking back now, but when I was going through it, it wasn't funny at all. But on New Year's Eve uh, church, um, our pastor had said uh, he wanted all of us, encouraged us to find a word that we could pray for all year and, and help us to, to grow. Um, and I, I was in the back of the church, <laughs> a little different than I am now, but <laughs> um, I remember the word came clear as a bell. It was free. And immediately I was thinking, okay, we're going to be divorced. I'm going to get killed, whatever. I, I, at the time, I hated everything, everything about us, everything about uh, my life. I was in such a horrible place. And so I just said, I wrote down free in my book. I had no idea what was about to happen, but I'll let her go from here. So, so the very next day, New Year's Day, 2018, um, we had plans that day to go to a friend's house, and I was in the kitchen and um, waiting for the water to get hot in the kitchen sink, and I decided to look through Messenger, which I like, I don't know, three times a year I looked at Messenger, so there was a lot to go through, so I'm scrolling, mm -hmm. and one just as it flew beyond my vision, it, it, it 
caught my eye because there was just something strange about it. So I scrolled back down, and it was basically a message um, contradicting a story that JB had told me a couple weeks earlier about why he was late getting home. And um, my reaction was just so, so extreme, so visceral, that he ran into the kitchen because he thought that I had cut myself. And um, my heart was just literally beating out of my chest because... Although I had had intuitions before and suspicions, I had never had proof. And, and I had just gotten proof, but he didn't know it. So um, I asked him to give me a minute because um, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't talk with him at the moment. So I went back to our room, reread the message, just tried to kind of get my wits about me um, before I called him back. And when he came back, I fully expected him to deny it. I fully expected a fight, and I was ready. Um, and I just asked him if there was anything he needed to tell me. Uh, you know, this is just brief, but at the time, I wouldn't volunteer information because there was so much that I had been doing and doing wrong. I, I just, I, in my mind, I was thinking, which thing? Um, and I said, no. I said, no, there's nothing to tell. And then... And then I asked him specifically about that night. And um, for the first time ever, he just, he just surrendered. He, his head dropped. His shoulders dropped. I mean, I, I can just see it. I, I've never seen him surrender. And he admitted that he had lied to me. Uh, I don't know where we're at. Anyway... The What's that? Um, Y'all, again, looking back at this, I, I, there, I was in the right place at the right time. God, the, the months before this, I, I, and I'm just being really crystal clear here, I would come home from work. I worked, I was building a big high-rise in downtown Fort Worth. I'd stop at a place. I'd drink a couple beers. I'd eat food. And I was never, I was always, but I'd, every night I drove home looking for a tree. I was trying to figure out how to wrap myself around a tree or kill myself. And, you know, I'm glad I didn't have the courage, but I was in just a horrible place. And when she asked me about this, there was a sense of relief because I, I had wanted to tell about the, the truth about this that night that it happened. Um, I had met a girl um, and, you know, just, we just met briefly and I just knew it was a bad thing anyway. Anyway, I don't need to go into details on it, but, but that day I saw two paths, uh, in a, in an instant, I saw the path that I'd been on and I'd already been there for 40 years, y'all. I, 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 everything was miserable. I was a horrible person. No one could ever love me, all these things. And then I turned and looked the other direction, which was beyond scary. Number one, I didn't know what was coming. And number two, all I saw was razor blades, fire, flames, every bad imaginable thing, like shredder. And I decided then that I was going towards the shredder because I've lived this life for so long and I couldn't do it anymore. So that's where I was at this day, which is, again, an alignment of epic proportions. So. And while he saw two paths, I saw one. And it didn't include him. Um... I was obviously angry, and I was obviously heartbroken, but I was also, I was a little relieved because f 
for the first time, I, I, I realized that I wasn't crazy, all, you know, all those times. Um, it, it was a little bit affirming to just know that, that I knew. And um, this is not something that I had planned to say, but I, I remember seeing this quote not too long after that about how, how powerful it is when a person has the option to say no. He'd never really given me the option to say no. He'd manipulated information. This, the only time, the first time, I had the choice to stay or to go. Um, and I think that's powerful when somebody chooses to stay, when they have the choice. At the moment, I had no intention of staying, um, just to be honest. Um, that was the path I saw. Um, I knew that she was hurt, rightfully so. Um, and one thing that we're not going to talk a lot about today, but this is just a tip of the iceberg. Um, and, and when we get to tell more of our story, um, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. But I'll, I'll never forget the, the day that I just remember her. I, I knew she was angry, and I know the hurt. And to this day, that fit picture of the, her face and how much she hurt is a motivator for me to keep from ever doing it again. I, I don't struggle with it like I used to. Um, because of a lot of reasons, most of it's because of the lack of shame. But that memory of her and how bad she was hurting that day has kept me from from a lot of just going into the dark places of shame and guilt. So, but she said something that day that just 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 shredded me. And she said, "I just wish you knew how much you were loved." Mm. And it, I don't know why it, it stuck and. Again, different things started to work differently all the way through. So, can, can you say that one more time, just so? She said to me, "I just wish that you knew how much um, you were loved, how much you were loved, and not necessarily by her, but just by God and everybody else for that matter." Because I, I thought everybody thought I was an idiot. I, we'll go into that more, but. Um, I'm. The reason I knew to say that was because I had been at that point in my life, too. I had to come to that discovery. Um, anyway, about a week after this discovery, I met with our pastor, told him what had happened and what I had planned. And he advised me not to make any major decisions for about 90 days. You know, they advise you that after a traumatic instance. And, and this was incredibly traumatic. Um, not as traumatic as it would become, but it was still, it was still traumatic. So... But he gave me the number of a lady in our church who had been through something similar. And so I called her, and she gave me the contact information of a church near us that had a program specifically for couples going through infidelity. Um, sounded horrible, but I took the information, and um, I think we just kind of sat on it for a little while. I did nothing with it, but I think eventually JB took the call, but... Um, he's just going to kind of talk a little bit about where things went for him from this point. Well, y'all, and, it, and I'm, uh, y'all, Texas. <laughs> um, I, I've prayed about this a lot, and I've shared this story with the men's group at the cave in a lot more detail, but I, I think the hardest part of this was how, looking back, how God orchestrated everything at this point. The next day that this happened, I had let, was building a big church in south of Dallas. It was about a two-hour drive 
from our house, and I had planned on living down there basically during the week and coming home and on the weekend, and, and that's the way it was for a while. But I, for whatever reason, this hurt. Uh, I didn't like it. Um, it. It just, God was, again, I was in the right place at the right time. And my first week down there, I was just a mess. I, I couldn't function. Uh, I did the best I could to get this job started, and I was well known for aggressive I uh, was very aggressive on the job sites, um, and and I, I remember just uh, the the things that people need to look back at now is how God is ready to help you through anything that you're going to go through. Um, it, it, to me, the one of the things that uh, the the pastor Mark and uh, associate pastor David, um, the people that insisted that I go build this for them, which I think is another part of the story, but. Um, they were there. They were a, big, a pivotal part, a big, huge instrument of this deal. Uh, and my first week there was so lonely and broken. I stayed in a hotel, the first, um, a really bad hotel, actually. It was, it was dirty and everything else, and I was in a bad place. And I was sitting at work one day, and, and, and I just like, God, I, I don't even remember what I said, but I was, I was in that place where I was trying to cast blame. I was trying to, um, I was broken. I wanted to be healed. Um, and healing is never easy and never fast. True healing. Um, and, and from my perspective, uh, you, you know, I just, I asked God, give me something. <laughs> and I have to read this to you because this was a huge part of, there's several huge parts of my relationship. But he gave me Malachi, what was it, Malachi? Malachi 2, um, 13 through 16 in the message version. And if you read this in other versions, you'll understand what the big difference is. And I'm going to read it to you. And here's a second offense. You fill this place with worship, with your whining and your sniveling, because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? Simple. Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your, long, your young bride. And now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife, God. Not you, God, not you made marriage. His spirit inhabits every, even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. God of the angel armies says, I hate the violent dismemberment of the one flesh of marriage. So watch yourselves. Don't let your guard down and don't cheat. And I don't know why this affected me like it did, but it... it <laughs> God was not kind through this. And I, I'm... No, he wasn't kind. It, it, was, it was hurt and painful, but I deserved everything I got. It was at that point where I started taking responsibility for all the things I've done. Um, it took a while for me to clean the slate, but um, uh, I just started watching God orchestrate some things in my life. That, like, the next week that I was down there, I went to, uh, I had planned on renting a cabin or a house, small house at an RV park. Well, I walked into this place, and I'm hurting, and the first guy I meet who runs the RV park invited me to a group called the Samson Society. This is something that I'm adamant about. I'd like to see it more. Um, but the, it was a group of guys. It was a safe place to communicate and talk, which I now know is extremely important. It's accountability. 
it's a lot of things, but it was just an opportunity to just be around other men without all the temptations, I guess. But uh, in, in this meeting, he talked about a movie called The Heart of Man. And I know the, 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 a lot of the men at the cave watched The, the Heart of Man this last uh, two weeks ago now, I guess. And I, I'm insistent with this. I, I say this to, uh, we actually have it where it's in Spanish and in English version as well now with workbooks. And it was, it was, it didn't give me any excuses for what I did. And it, it doesn't matter what she did or didn't do. It didn't matter um, the guilt or shame. I had to take responsibility for the fact that I was um, an infidelity. Is that correct? I, I, I was I was unfaithful to her. I was unfaithful to everything, to be honest with. But the thing that um, the heart of man gave explanation, it, it didn't. Again, didn't give me excuses, but it started making sense. And shame was one of the first things that the, the heart of man talks a lot about, is how shame had kept me for 40 years in a place of, well, it doesn't really matter that I'm doing this. I'm a, I won't say what I call myself back then, but I, I was horrible. I, I, I was bad. I wasn't worth anything. God was, if, if God liked me at all, he was, I was in the back of the room. I was a janitor in heaven at very best. So, and all of that, I'm telling you all, it's a lie. Um, thankfully, I know who God says I am now, and God loves me. God calls me his son. Um, he calls me to victory through even this. And I, we don't have to go into great detail, but the, the story is, is I, I said this the other day, so I'm going to use it again today, that our story is, is, this part of the story that we're telling you right now is like the iceberg that sunk the Titanic. What they saw was big, but what was underwater was a lot bigger. And that, that was our story. This thing didn't get any smaller from this point. It got actually a lot bigger. And, and, and I had to deal with shame on almost an everyday basis. Um, the one thing that they want me to tell is that the men, David Jordan, who, who's about five foot four, and I'm, I'm six foot ten. So David Jordan, five foot four, he was the associate pastor at the church at the time, and I confronted him and told him what was going on. And he was real insistent about me building this project for him because of my, there's a lot of things involved. But, and I told him what had happened and what was going on, and he prayed for me. And when he began, I, I, when he began to pray for me, um, I could feel evil leaving my body. I could almost see all the evil spirits coming out of me. Um, and, 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 you know, David's one of the biggest men I know, five foot four. There's no offense. I don't mean anything bad about short people because they're some of the biggest men I know. But when he got done praying for me all, I, I, I was different. I, 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 to this day, I can't explain other than I know it was the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't, I, I struggled with porn, I struggled with, with alcohol, I struggled with infidelity. I, one of the things that we found out later and we dealt with because of you was the lying. Um, lying is probably the biggest tool. I, I, could, I had a wonderful life, y'all. I, I was on TV, I was famous, and yet I was, I lied about everything. I, I was doing this, and I had to lie to make it better because I had no self-esteem. I was, I was the turd, sorry. I was, I was a turd in the sewer. 
I, I, that's, that's where I was and that's where I belonged. And when David left for me, I, I, I got to tell you two things and I'll finish. Um, before he prayed for me, before that year, I had never been able to read a book from cover to cover. I, I don't know why, I just, I couldn't comprehend, I could, I could read, I just couldn't retain anything. And since that day, I haven't stopped reading. Um, so that was one of those things where God lifted the veil from me. Now when he, I say he lifted the veil from me, the veil that he pulled from me literally shredded my face off. If you, I know that's horrible to think about, but God didn't leave anything uncovered in me. Um, and I constantly accepted the fact that, number one, this is what I deserve. And, and I knew that I was saved. I understood God in a different way from that point on. And, and that, that has a lot to do with, with why I call myself JB. Um, a good friend of mine, a Christian brother of mine, called me JB one day, and I instantly had this vision from Saul to Paul because of the radical transformation in my life. And, y'all, I've not, I, I still struggle with things, um, not, not like I did. Um, self-esteem is always still knocking at my door. Um, shame is always, always trying to knock at the door. Um, and it's hard down here. Uh, those of you who live here and those of you who are visiting or working here, it's hard. Um, you, you got to learn to rely on people. And I love the fact that God has put us in touch with so many beautiful people here. It's just, it's, it's a blessing. I know why we're here. It's part of the journey, but, um. I, I want to encourage everybody, boys, girls, men, women, husband, wife, singles, please find the shame because it's a lie and it will defeat you every time. Uh, and I just, I want, that's part of the reason I, I'm willing to tell my story is that you guys need to know that uh, things like shame will destroy you and, and it, 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 it took 40 years. So, so here's what's really cool. Any of you that are Bible scholars, I, I accepted Jesus Christ in my heart when I was 17 years old. <laughs> I was 57 when all this stuff started. I, I think it's fascinating that the 40-year journey, um, and I, I, I wish, I've heard people say, I wish that I would have known sooner. Well, I know that God's got me exactly where he wants me to be, exactly the way he wants me to be right now. And I just, I, I look forward to whatever he's got coming next. And, and it's, it's a celebration to me because I am not the same guy I used to be. I was mean, hateful, loud, still loud, but. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to, <clears throat> his 40-year journey um, also included, you know, I told you earlier that I had been praying and praying I prayed for a lot of years, a lot of years. And I want to tell you the things that I prayed for JB. These are the things I prayed for my children. But what I prayed for him was that God would remove his heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. That he would grasp how wide and long and high and deep God's love is for him. That he would look to God to be the filler of all his empty places the healer of all his hurts and the lover of his soul and that JB would begin to love God back with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind. Galatians 5.14 tells us, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I knew that he would never be able to love anybody else until he could love himself. 
And I knew that he would never be able to love himself if he didn't know in his deepest heart, his heart of hearts, that God loved him. Just flat out loved him. Not based on performance or behavior, but just because that's how God is. He just loves us. It's a good place to stop for the moment. Okay. Um, you, you know, you, it's hard for me to sit down, guys. But <clears throat> um, stretch out a little bit. You know, uh, this story, I just, I, I love it that they're able to tell this. And, and a reminder that they started this with that um, they just celebrated 30 years of marriage. So this blew up at anniversary 25. And now they're five years beyond that. And as their own admission, still not, not perfect people at all. Neither am I or any, anybody here. But guys, they're on the other side. They're five years beyond uh, and in a great, better place. Can we celebrate and give them? That, that's so awesome. So awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You see, there's hope and there's healing. And didn't always see that, didn't always see that way because of a feeling of not being very loved. When you don't feel love, then you don't feel enough. You don't feel that God loves you because there's so much shame building up. It's, it's hard to feel like there's a God out there, a God that loves us how we are and where we were. They also mentioned that these issues, these things that had been who they were, uh, years ago as young people, it, and not that you're old now, it just, bear with me. It, it just that they came as single people into relationship and they brought so much with them that they'd never addressed because gener generationally, you, you look at things and think about what could be a generational curse. Well, when, when your family is dysfunctional and doesn't talk about what's really going on, or you as a young person, when I said you're being dropped, it's because somewhere as a young person, you got exposed to pornography maybe at a young age. It wasn't your fault. But you were left alone with a, an older teenager, a young adult, or a crazy uncle or something, and they, they, they exposed you to that. Or you stumbled on something. Now, it, it's not hard to do now. You can, you can quickly find something bad. But maybe you were exposed to something and it warped and messed up your thinking or, or started you on a path of being addicted to something unhealthy. And you sit here today, even as a Christian man or woman, and you have a struggle that is very real. And that struggle has caused you, as, and maybe as a single person, you're thinking, I want to be married. I'm telling you, the tools that you hold in this card uh, today, and I can't find, my, I've lost my card. There it is. See, I, we wanted this to be shame-free, a shame-free zone today. But, but you may be here and you're just overwhelmed. You hear this story and you don't want anybody to know. And I, okay, well, you get to your car, you get to, you get out of this space today, you follow the steps on here. And you can get in contact with them. And you start a conversation by email or WhatsApp. Or you check out those resources which are bilingual. And you commit today to discover the answer to the question. 
or the, or the statement that Shelly made that uh, I wish you knew how much you were loved. See, some of you today need to just know, you need, you need to know how much you're loved. And maybe nobody else in this room knows how little you value and think of yourself. Because you've lived with shame for so long. You've struggled for so long. Some kind of secret addiction or, or something was done to you. You see, people have been sexually abused. When we watched that movie, Heart of Man, every circumstance was a young person who was exposed or abused way too early. And it carried with them into their young adult and adult and married life. And they ended up living a secret life. Or they, or they just, it just. We can walk in freedom, church. Amen. <laughs> That's the God who has not changed. That still delivers and still sets free and still breaks chains. Amen. Physically, spiritually, renews the broken mind. Sets the captives free. An anointing that breaks the yoke. That's the God that I know. That's the God that takes my past and sets me in a new way and breaks generational curses. <laughs> See, that's good news to somebody. It's good news to me. I don't have to repeat what I came from. And you can walk out of here today with absolute freedom. I am confident of that. Not because of anything else other than a God who has not changed. <laughs> Aren't you glad he's alive, church? He's alive. He's alive. He has not changed. He loves you. Does it not matter what had been done to you? Does it not matter what you have battled with and what you have struggled with? Or any addiction, sexual, or, or any other addiction, drugs, any kind of drug, any kind of, any kind of addictive behavior. That it, there is a God who loves you just where you are. And He's drawing you and extending an invitation to you and sharing truth to you that you can walk in freedom. Guys, you need that individually. Your family needs that. Your marriage needs that. Your children need that. And you look back 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, and you'll stand in a place and say, praise God for a God who has not changed. Guys, gals, why don't you stand with me in this place? We want to sing. I want to invite the band. I want you guys to come up here today. They're going to sing a song called Reckless Love. A God who moves mountains and obstacles because he loves you. And he wants to renew your mind. He wants to bring healing to you. You may be ready today. You, you want, you just, you're ready to have someone pray with you. And we are ready for that. We are available for that. There are Spanish and English prayer partners available today. And then there is the also that you feel 
you, yeah, you want the shame to go, but you know your, your next step needs to be a quiet one, and that's what this card is for. And if, this, and if you're walking in freedom today, praise God. But I'm going to say that everybody in this room knows somebody that could use the resources on this page. It's either you or you know somebody. Guys, let's be the church. Let's be that person that just doesn't talk about prayer, but they go out and they are the prayer warrior. They are the prayer partner. They are the one who shares the resources that where we see heaven come to earth. I need that. You need that. Your friends and family need that. Lord, today in this place, God, I, I thank you for the presence of a God who has not changed. You've been so good to me. There's so many in this room today. God, I sense that, God, they needed to hear exactly this because they hear someone else's story and they know, goodness, maybe, maybe they could hear my story. Maybe I don't have to do this alone. Maybe I can find hope and healing today. Maybe I can find freedom from addiction and freedom from shame. Lord, where where that, where that is happening across this room and across this video, God, in the name of Jesus, may, may you, Holy Spirit, confirm what I'm saying, that there is freedom in the house, freedom in relationship. God, today as we sing, may it be more than words on a screen. But some of us need to rem- even be reminded some guy- sometimes about where we, were, where we came from. We weren't always as pretty and perfect as we are today, maybe. You sought us. And God, you found us. We were lost and we, were, we are now found. Lord, let an atmosphere of worship and praise inhabit this place today. May our worship be pleasing to you. And may you extend your love and mercy. May that be so evident in this room. We are here today in declaring and claiming and taking back what the enemy has stolen from so many. In the name of Jesus, let freedom ring. Let freedom be the word that is upon this place today. In Jesus' name.